Before diving in, I know some of you got word that I was in a car accident this week, and I just want to acknowledge um, that fact and um, acknowledge my gratitude um, that while it was a rather serious accident for both vehicles and some city property uh, that got smashed, um, both drivers walked away. And today to be living with a rather standard case of whiplash and a very irritating insurance fiasco ahead of me, I feel very lucky and grateful to be here. Thanks be to God. I love this passage from Isaiah that we heard Rebecca read today. There was one year um, when a young woman in my congregation in Chicago, for her Lenten practice, decided to memorize Isaiah 58. Is this not the fast I choose to loose the bonds of injustice? Beautiful. And this week, the message that I particularly heard from this wise prophet of old, especially given our theme for this month, is that our restoration, our satisfaction, Our nourishment as individuals and as a people flows from our living God's justice and liberation for all peoples and all creation. That is the place from which our nourishment just flows. Then, then our gloom shall be like the noonday sun, as the NRSV states. Then we shall be like springs of waters, whose waters never run dry. May it be so. For there is much gloom in these days. There is much parchedness in these days. I have felt a heavy malaise, the likes of which makes me want to zombie myself in front of some Netflix, never to emerge again. And I've done some of that. (laughs) And some of that, I'd say, is okay. Maybe even good. I recall with gratitude one session with a spiritual director in Chicago when I was being self-judgmental about wanting to sit in front of Netflix. And she said, what gift does that give you? Open it up for me. So some good Netflixing aside in the last weeks, I have actually felt best, I have felt most hopeful, I have felt most whole, I have felt most nourished and best restored when in the company of those whose lives have been dedicated to justice, those who are living God's justice and liberation for all peoples and all creation as Isaiah proclaims so beautifully. I think, for example, of rallying and marching at the Northwest Detention Center last Sunday with a group of y'all and our quilted Mennonites for Peace banner. Under the leadership and the sustained witness of the Northwest Detention Center resistance movement, who shows up at that place consistently and faithfully, advocating for justice. 
I think of the European descent meeting this last week, again with several of you here in this room, and being surrounded by those who have dedicated their lives to the ongoing work of dismantling white supremacy and building racial justice. I think of last Sunday morning's worship as we together growled and sighed our laments as if collectively releasing some of our pent-up sorrow. I think of diving in with Elaine and Ched and so very many of you into the biblical jubilee vision, which is at its heart, of course, God's justice and liberation for all peoples and all creation, as beautifully painted in this prophecy from Isaiah. Yes, these are the times this past week when I have felt best when I felt most hopeful, most whole, most nourished, and best restored, when in the company of those whose lives have been dedicated to justice, those living God's justice and liberation for all peoples and all creation. And then my gloom, if not quite like the noonday sun just yet, (laughs) then my gloom is at least a bit less dreary. And a few radiant rays begin to tentatively emerge from the cracks. And then, if not springing with unfailing waters, I do at least sense a bubbling up and a seeping in of much-needed nourishment. Like many of you, I've been thinking in these days about how we remain agile and responsive to the quick turns of the news cycle while also remaining grounded and committed to our long-term work. This isn't a time for either or, it's a time for both and, each in sustainable measure, or else we will wither. (laughs) And you'll soon find me with a permanent case of the zombies in front of Netflix. (laughs) How do we hold these together, each sustainably? Remembering Isaiah's call once more, our restoration, our satisfaction, our nourishment as individuals and as a people flows, flows from our living God's justice and God's liberation for all peoples and for all creation. And then, then our gloom shall be like the noonday sun. Then we shall be like springs of water whose waters never run dry. May it be so. Today we focus our attention on place. And every now and then a worship service comes along like this where I feel like it's redundant to preach because the sermon's already been preached. And thank you, Kent, (laughs) this morning for the message that I will carry with me for a long time to come. We focus our attention on place. Elaine and Ched talked about those three pillars of the Jubilee vision, land, labor, and capital. Those three pillars that so perfectly line up with our discernment teams in our own season of Jubilee related to land and our campus, related to labor, the work of the church and our pastors, and capital, all of our resources. So today we focus on land, on place, and specifically on watershed. 
as our centering proclamation from Senegalese environmentalist Baba Diom states, we won't protect places we don't love. We can't love places we don't know. And we don't know places we haven't learned. A growing number of Christian theologians and Christian radicals and just plain Christians are calling us to watershed discipleship, to, as our centering proclamation progresses, to learn, to know, to love, and to protect our watershed. So, I thought it would be appropriate to begin with some local homegrown watershed pride and on the count of three, shout out the name of our beloved watershed. One, two, three. (laughs) Yes, the worship planners for this series were just as baffled and confused as y'all are. (laughs) And I was definitely starting at square one. Before the protecting comes the loving, before the loving comes the knowing, and before the knowing comes the learning. And so I and we set out to learn. What is our watershed? Well, like a Facebook relationship status, let's just say it's complicated. (laughs) At the smallest scale here at the church, at 125th and Lake City Way, we are in the Thornton Creek Watershed, And I did hear that, maybe even from a couple of places. <laughs> and we're going to learn more about this smallest microcosm of our watershed next week, where we're, we're going to have two folks coming from the Thornton Creek Alliance who have spent years and years and years um, learning, knowing, loving, and protecting this watershed. But the How Stuff Works podcast that I looked up... <clears throat> about watersheds, because I needed to know how stuff worked about a watershed, described these concentric layers of watersheds expanding further and further out, and the image that they used was upturned um, umbrellas with a little hole in the middle. So there's one upturned umbrella, that's a watershed, but then there's another one slightly larger below it, and then another one slightly larger below that. It's an upside-down umbrella, or... It's a cup, a pair of cupped hands, which doubles as a prayer posture, as Melanie and Chad and Elaine have pointed out to me, and we may have opportunities in the coming weeks to pray like this with our watershed. So the cupped hands that, again, concentric circle out into bigger and bigger watersheds. So our water here in Lake City drains into Thornton Creek, but Thornton Creek drains into Lake Washington, along with several other streams and creeks. And the Seattle City website indicates that Seattle has four major receiving waters. Lake Washington is one of them. The Ship Canal and Lake Union are another. The Duwamish River is a third. And Puget Sound is a fourth. These are the four major receiving waters and watersheds in Seattle. And then there are three urban basins or watersheds that contribute to each of those receiving waters. So the Thornton Creek watershed here, when you pan out, is part of the North Lake Washington Basin. But when you pan even further out, it's part of the Lake Washington watershed, all of the land that drains into Lake Washington. But Lake Washington 
eventually drains into the Puget Sound via the Ballard Locks, thus the Puget Sound watershed, which is what's shown on the map on the front of your communicators. So if you want to take a look at the Puget Sound watershed, you can. These are our concentric upside-down umbrellas, the cupped hands expanding further and further out until you can almost imagine that it's God's hands holding it all together. Well, then the other week I was at Seward Park and I found a map labeled Our Urban Watershed and I thought, aha, a definitive answer at last from our parks district. And that map shows this area to be in the Lake Washington slash Cedar slash Sammamish watershed. Anybody confused yet? (laughs) This reminded me of another thing that I had also learned from Melanie and from Elaine and David, who I reached out to to help me make sense of all this stuff. And that is that Seattle's water comes from two sources, from the Cedar River watershed so this water right here, Cedar River Watershed. That's one source of Seattle water. And the second is the Tolt Reservoir, which is in the Snoqualmie River Watershed. Oh my goodness, I had no idea what I was getting into when I started down this rabbit trail. I thought our task of learning would be simpler, but alas, I've waded into the water, and God has troubled the water in very good ways. So for now, at the very micro level, I am claiming Thornton Creek Watershed for this church in this neighborhood. And I'm going to scan way out and claim Puget Sound Watershed for our large bioregion to which we belong. And then I will say that just a little heart space for me is carved out for the Piper's Creek watershed. Not long after moving back to Seattle, John and I made our very first of many trips to Carkeek Park And the salmon just happened to be migrating upstream the first time that we were there along Piper's Creek. And there is nothing like a first-hand encounter with a genuine Cascadian salmon swimming upstream to begin building some intimacy with a place and with a water and with a watershed. Fascinated by what I was seeing. I I had seen, when I lived here before, I had seen the Ballard Locks. But there is something really different about watching these salmon going up the creek. So I was fascinated and I began to, um, I read some more about the reds. (laughs) Read some more about the reds. Read some more about the reds that female salmon create at the bottom of a stream just to make a bit more sense of what I was seeing. And a root sunk just a little bit deeper from my foot into this soil. This past year, I more actively sought out opportunities to watch the salmon migrating up Piper's Creek because it got me hooked, having happened upon it. And Elaine helped me out this year with a prompting text when she heard that the salmon were migrating. Thank you, Elaine. There you are. (laughs) 
And I anticipate in the coming years becoming even more knowledgeable about Koho, Chinook, Chum, Sakai, and their respective patterns. I have much to learn. Much to learn before I come to truly and deeply know, and then to deepen in my love, and at last, God willing, one day to more actively protect. I have many more days and miles ahead of me as I continue to root to this place and call this watershed, these watersheds, home. I hear the call from those who have embraced watershed discipleship as a natural and a necessary outgrowth of their discipleship after Jesus. That learning, knowing, loving, and protecting our watersheds isn't just something we do as a political act or in response to a political environmental issue. But I hear the clarion call from these folks that our commodification of water and of place has led to a spiritual crisis as well. A spiritual crisis is one of having distanced us from God, our creator. God, our creator. And from Jesus, the word who became earth and came to tent and to dwell among people and creation in a particular place. Jesus, who, as the Gospel of Mark says, was baptized into a river. Not just in a river. Jesus was baptized into a river. And oh my, there's so much to explore there that we may get to in the coming weeks. In the foreword to Ched Myers' new edited book titled Watershed Discipleship, Denise Nadau writes that indigenous water walkers honor the sacredness of water and the spiritual rootedness of their water advocacy because for them it isn't just political, maybe not primarily political, maybe not political at all. It is spiritual for these indigenous water walkers to advocate for their watersheds. And they do that by embodying reverence and reciprocity, which she says are also the two key ingredients for ceremony. Reverence and reciprocity. We are water, declare today's water protectors at Standing Rock. We are water. Or as Denise writes in the very first words of her foreword, water is spirit and a relative. Some ways of framing this feel sort of foreign to us, I think, in our Christian worship setting. And I think that betrays a deep disconnection. Our disconnection from our place, from our bioregion, and from our watershed. It's certainly not the only cause of our gloom and our parchedness. It may not even be the primary among the causes of our gloom and our parchedness. But I wonder if it might be a bigger cause than we typically acknowledge. Just beginning to wonder these questions. If this disconnect at a deep and spiritual level deprives and distances us from the shalom wholeness that God desires for us in this particular place, in Thornton Creek Watershed and in Puget Sound Watershed. I wonder if it deprives and distances us from the shalom wholeness that God desires for all people. And all creation. 
And so, returning one more time to Isaiah's call, our restoration as individuals and as a people, our satisfaction, our nourishment flows from our living God's justice and liberation for all peoples and all creation. It flows naturally from that living. And then, then our gloom shall be like the noonday sun. Then we shall be like springs of water, whose waters never run dry. May it be so. May it be so for us. And may it be so for our watershed. Our watershed. Our watershed.